Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We got a full crew tonight. Vinny Duber is in studio. We got Herb Lawrence as always. Hello. You can follow. Oh, I was don't worry, don't worry. Oh, you had to no. sneak that one in there. Yeah, I then uh, do the real normal thing. dog thing. That's Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Here's your part. And this is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. We are here to recap the White Sox losing the opener of this series to the Los Angeles Angels. Four to three. It was a close one. It was an eventful one. The White Sox didn't put up too much of a fight in the ninth inning going down one, two, three. But the seventh inning was pretty uh, eventful. White Sox take the lead. And then they give up the lead. Um, excited to talk about Lucas Giolito's good day. Uh, the White Sox hitting woke up after a couple bad innings against Noah Syndergaard. And let's start with Lucas because he's been the big story. Um, we went to the CHGO White Sox tailgate on June 22nd. He got lit up by the Toronto Blue Jays. He said the words terrible about his start uh, after after that game. And this one, not terrible at all. Some, some good results for Lucas Giolito. What would you guys make of Lucas's start tonight? I liked it. I liked it a lot. He uh, didn't have overwhelming stuff, didn't have great stuff, but he went out there and battled, and he made a couple of those all-stars out there in Mike Trout and Shoei Itani look silly. I think it was in the fifth inning where he's just throwing his, his change-up to Mike Trout, and he's swinging really early out of his shoes, and the slider buried inside to Shoei Itani looked awesome. That was good of Tony to get him out after six innings, 90 pitches he's thrown, with a good feeling under his uh, under his belt, say, all right, I only gave up two earned runs. I'm feeling back to Lucas Giolito like baby steps. You have a full month of bad starts. Then you get back to doing this versus a, a lineup that is not top-notch but formidable. Got those two guys in the middle of the lineup and also the top with uh, uh, Walsh. But I say Lucas Giolito, not back, but it's good to see this Lucas Giolito as opposed to the guy that was just getting rocked every time. Yeah, we kind of saw how, I don't know, he, it just felt, Herb and I kind of described it as he felt a little just shell-shocked or a little just rocked after Wednesday. He certainly looked that way. Yeah, how yeah. would you describe what he felt like on, on Wednesday? Yeah, he looked like he felt awful. I mean, he was, uh, he was, he was kind of mystified that this keeps happening or that, or that it had kept happening. Uh, and, you know, this is a guy who is – being used to the last few years, being at the pinnacle of the sport, being one of the best pitchers in the American League, and uh, very much not that uh, the last month or so. And for him to uh, kind of go out every time and try to figure it out and not figure it out, that was it seemed to bother him. And, and you could 
obviously relate to why that would. Uh, so today, a very nice step forward. Looked a little rocky early. Again, you kind of had a little feeling of maybe, oh, no, here we go again. It's first couple innings, but, man, did he settle in. And once he did, it's like almost like, oh, the, the, you know, the light bulb went on. Maybe he did figure something out there in the in the fourth inning or the fifth inning, and uh, we saw a guy that looked familiar, a guy who looked like uh, the White Sox ace uh, there for a little bit of this start. Now he's going to have to go out and put it together throughout the whole thing. You know, the defense is a little better tonight, uh, particularly on that one play in right field, mm-hmm. and maybe it was a, a scoreless outing for Lucas Giolito tonight. And so certainly he's got a lot that he can build off of going forward, but he'll be the first guy to tell you that, you know, it's all about the next one too. Yeah, six innings tonight for Lucas Giolito, six hits allowed, only one walk. He also struck out six and giving up the two earned runs in the second inning uh that was an interesting play i, I didn't get to see it uh because i was in the car we went to the chgo white Sox uh uh softball game today herb and i and herb made one fantastic play out in right field and gavin sheets tried to make a play out in right field uh i i know you, well what's up i was able to see it i was i was watching it was interesting <laughs> i mean he he got a glove on it he was going out to right field if you missed the play uh ranging back and it hit off of his glove and then kind of rolled along the wall it looked like it hit a white Sox fan uh but then it just rolled along the wall and ended up being called a triple and not a home run uh but it's a difficult play there for gavin i mean it's it's not you know, it's it's not routine for any right fielder, and especially a first baseman out there in right field. It, it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, if there's somebody out there with a little bit more experience or somebody out there who moves a little bit quicker, uh, maybe it, it looks a whole lot different. It didn't look good. He, I mean, yeah, he got a glove on it. That's a positive, but... He didn't catch it, and that's a negative. And, uh, you know, listen, they, they figured out the correct call, replay, you know, doing its job on that one. It was not a home run. Uh, certainly it looked like it bounced off the chest of that of that White Sox fan who was sitting in the front row, but they looked at it, and, it, and it, they found out correctly that it rolled along the top of the wall. Pretty sure we've seen another play like that in a White Sox game this year. I don't remember the if it Dodgers. Was, it was at guaranteed rate field, right? Yes. And and a ball that bounced up off the track and then rolled along the top of the wall. I think Mookie, Mookie hit bets. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and again, didn't didn't uh, ever go over the wall. And and kind of a similar thing uh, with this play. But um, listen, was that the play of the game? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I don't uh, I don't think you can really harp on it too much. I mean, listen, at the end of the day. Your starting pitcher went out through six innings, gave up only two runs. That's and when you got a listen, I don't know how many times we have to say this this year, but when you got a white lineup like the White Sox have, you should be winning. You should be winning that game. I mean, they only scored three runs. That's the thing that that killed them today. Well, and you were kind of caught off guard when Steve Stone ended the game, being like, "Oh, and that was a big mistake there in the seventh inning with uh, Sebi Zavala at second base." Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, and I see Wayne mentioning we're in dire need of left-handed batter. Uh, doesn't Han know this? Hey, Gavin Sheets seven to sixteen since he's been Two called up to, uh, to since Charlotte. Yep. But we do got to get to the super chat from our guy Muhammad. He says, "Hi guys, I was at the game. Great turnout for White Sox fans." Sad about the missed chances, but it was fun to see the Sox in person. Hopefully next season will be better. Fingers crossed. And this season can still get better as well. I know that uh, not a lot of people are here for positivity, uh, especially with your White Sox being at 34 and 38 uh, and losing again to another sub-500 team. You have a rough series, losing three or four against the Orioles. And then, Herb, you go out to L.A. And this is a team that you've seen before, a team that after you saw them went on a 14-game losing streak and 
fired their manager and just fought the Seattle Mariners. Literally, had, literally, li- fought, literally them, yes. fought them. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the guys that you saw pitch for them are also about to be suspended for like 10 games. Um, but Herb, I, I don't know how you can sum this up or, or want to sum this up, but the White Sox lose again for another uh, to another sub-500 team, and you already got fans saying, oh, we'll get them next season. I mean, it's up to Muhammad to feel that way. And maybe this is the only White Sox game he's going to go to this year. So, you know, your prerogative. But, yeah, this game, and I know when the more focus is going to be, hey, Raylo gave up the lead when we're in the seventh inning. Leadoff walk doesn't work, doesn't help you out in any, any way. But they got three runs on six hits versus Noah Syndergaard. This is not New York Mets, Noah Syndergaard. This guy is middling he's fine under four ERA to start the game but you saw those pitches out there he's not that guy who's throwing up 100 he's not that guy who's throwing a wicked slider and the changeup is still high velocity but it's not anything that you're like okay six hits is a good effort versus Noah Syndergaard no they had him on the ropes all day long after they started um started actually seeing some pitches and then Timmy started mm-hmm. off with his walk and then started stealing two couple bases got Noah off of his track because I think the first two innings the White Sox saw 15 total pit- bases or pitches that's unacceptable for any pitcher first three innings 27 pitches 27 pitches that's just unacceptable when we were commenting like it was in the sixth inning I was like he's had like 50 something pitches what the hell is going on White mm-hmm. Sox see a couple pitches he hasn't you haven't seen this guy I don't know if White Sox p- people have saw him at all mostly if you've been a White Sox for your career, probably Josh Harrison seen him when he was a Met. But remember, Syndergaard got scratched early in the year because he was sick with non-COVID uh, in illness. But my guy Adam Hazley has the most at bats against him yeah. in, in the White Sox uniform. And he didn't play because he's Philly's legend. He's your guy. Oh, always. Yeah. And, but yeah. You, so you, you don't like Jose Abreu, but your guy is Adam Hazley. Adam Hazley, right. my guy. Sign right. up for that. But <laughs> we're back to not hitting again versus mediocre pitchers. This cannot sustain. And they don't even say they're a pitcher for tomorrow. And I guarantee we've probably never heard of him, even if it's Mike Lorenzen, who last time he faced him, remember, that was the comeback in the ninth inning where they got five runs off of him and Rasiel Iglesias. We need to hit. When you get Lucas Giglio right, you need to win that game. You only give up two runs. You need to win that game. Six hits is unacceptable. This is on the offense. Absolutely. And you mentioned, too, I mean, that that fourth inning was kind of when things started cracking for Thor. Tim gets on base. He stole second easily. He stole third easily. Almost tried to steal home as well. Uh, But you go and see Andrew Vaughn uh, get a slider on 0-2, literally in the middle of the zone, high, and it was a a kind of a cement mixer. Wasn't great. And and swung and missed at that one. He goes down. And then you got upset at Robert swinging on T.A. stealing third. Uh, You know, he almost ruined a great jump by T.A. there. And then, you know, Abreu, bad luck. I think he hit it like 100 miles per hour and and lined out. But the White Sox still uh, in the fifth inning ended up getting to Thor. It's the offense, but I don't know if we can harp on the offense is the problem. The offense is the problem too much because I think, you know, last 14 games, they're still averaging around seven runs. Uh, You had the shutout on Friday. Okay, but they just played the last place Baltimore Orioles and scored eight runs in four days. Yeah, And then they go out to Anaheim and score three runs today. I mean... You got to score some runs. This is a team that's supposed to be hitting home runs and putting up big crooked numbers, making opposing pitchers, you know, tremble in their cleats. It hasn't happened. Yeah, it yeah. hasn't happened this year. And listen, injuries have a lot to do with that, no doubt about it. But this is a team with the guys that can beat the Angels. This is a guy with 
this is a team with guys who can certainly beat the Orioles. Oh, yeah. And they they really haven't been able to do it the last five days. Like, like you, you get this line right here versus when we saw Kevin Gausman. You get three runs off Kevin Gausman, you're like, there you go to offense. That's a tough pitcher. I accept your three runs right there. This, no, you can't. Not at all. I'm just mad that to get six hits off the whole Angels pitching staff, that's, no. Well, and also Tapera comes in, and your, your former uh, you know pitcher, and just absolutely shuts you down. Uh, Iglesias was nails as well. And I think, Vinny, a point that you mentioned too, uh, the lack of home runs and powers. White Sox 25th uh, this year in home runs. They have tw- uh, 59 uh, this year, so they're not even at 60. Uh, I, I think it's so frustrating, and like the Cubs have 71 this year. The Cubs that we see Cody Del Mendo having you know, mental breakdowns after they lose. Uh, the, the Cubs are hitting more home runs than the White Sox. And qu- that, quick, name some Cubs. I don't think you can name too many. Say a Suzuki, but I don't think he's played much. He hasn't much. played in ever, <laughs> in ever, Jerry. Pat Wisdom, who's a former Cardinals legend. And that Schwindel. Oh, and Wilson. Make that thing that Schwindle, Schwind, Pat uh, Wisdom, whatever. Uh, Schwin City, uh, or yeah. Schwindy City. Uh, yeah. but Wilson Contreras yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. He'll yeah. be gone soon. These are a lot of. These are a lot. We're we're naming a lot of 2017 White Sox right now. Is what we're doing. <laughs> but hey, you know, if 2017 White Sox Jose Abreu leads the team in home runs, and he doesn't even have 10 yet. So I mean that that's the true problem here. I mean it's Absolutely. not only you know hits, but it's also where's the power on this team? And I understand you you allude to the injuries. It's oh true. yeah, you're, you're missing Aloy, and and mm-hmm. and certainly Yoan Moncada's missed a lot of time. You expect him to do something. Grandal's on the IL right now. He okay, twenty three last year. Okay, but but like you just said, Jose Abreu's played all year. Luis Roberts played most of the year. Tim Anderson's played most of the year, and Grandal's been in there. Uh, you know mm-hmm. when when he hasn't been hurt and hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, even Andrew Vaughn, who has been terrific for them, doesn't deserve really any of the blame for what has happened offensively. He's, I mean, the guy. You, you, he's a guy that's expected to hit a lot of to to show some power. Gavin Sheets had to be sent down to the minor leagues. He was a guy that that showed some power last year. Yeah, the power's not there. Homers aren't there, and that's that's been a gigantic problem. You can't win in twenty twenty two. Well. And- doing that right and I mean I mean we talked about this a a couple uh, weeks ago or maybe a couple shows ago like the people keep bringing up 2005 and how they used to play Aussie ball and small ball they were fifth in the major leagues they were one of five teams that had 200 plus home runs that year it's also 17 years ago yeah yeah but I mean still like it's always been true that once you hit home runs you're gonna win more games I mean that's always been the thing and it's just it's frustrating not seeing this from the White Sox. We saw it so much in 2020. I mean, it was literally, you know, top three team in home runs this year or that year. And it's just shocking to see them fall from grace. It's all the same guys. Yeah, it's all the same guys. <laughs> and the injuries are present, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's at this point, it's an excuse, right? To, to say the injuries are what's holding them at, at 25th in the major leagues. Um, I mean, if you're talking about that specific number... I mean, with some of the guys that have missed this time, is, is, are, those are guys who are supposed to contribute to that number a lot. But I think it's on a daily basis. You know what I mean? When they play last week, and they go almost a week without hitting a home run, yeah. I mean, that is, the, that is the thing that jumps out at you. Not, oh my God, where do they rank in the major leagues? And, you know, is it because they're missing Eloy or isn't it? But it's, it doesn't matter if Eloy's not there. you still got a bunch of guys in this lineup that can go deep, and they're not doing it. Right. And, and home runs are a sign of hard-hit balls. So you're not getting balls squared up versus these pitchers who we see all the time. I, we had, did the show the other day. Those Orioles pitchers are not good. They were leaving balls hanging in the zone all day long. 
and the White Sox were not punishing him except for the Gavin Sheets home run, which you saw yesterday that gave the White Sox a 2-0 lead. Today, a couple more hanging uh, curveballs or fastballs up in the zone where 95, you know, elevated and hittable. They didn't do anything versus him except for driving in his gaps. Good. Awesome. Need to hit some over the fence because you see other teams doing against the White Sox all the time. And, you know, this West Coast trip will not be conducive for hitting home runs, especially with the marine layer out there in June for L.A. and for San Francisco. Yeah. But you need to hit home runs more efficient, more often. Meteorologist because, Herb Lawrence. It's just, I spent one year in San Diego. So. <laughs> Can you explain the marine layer effect on baseballs? I don't know exactly, but in the morning, they, they call it May Gray or June Gloom in in Southern California, it's dusty and gray the whole day in the morning, and then it burns off by the afternoon, and then that stays in the air, so the ball is, like, heavier. The air is, like, heavier, so it doesn't travel as much. Hard to cut through. Yeah, it's harder to get through. But today, it was unusually humid, so that should have been conducive to more home runs today, but you'd, it you'd, didn't happen. You had two back-to-back swings in the in, in the inning where they ended up scoring. Uh you had you had Luis Robert who drilled looked like he drilled oh, a ball mm-hmm. to left center fantastic catch there but again I, I off the bat it looked like that was going to go a lot further yes and and uh, and Jose Abreu followed him up with a ball that did go all the way to the to the warning track but again he also looked like he tattooed those pitches looked like they were hung I mean. Those are balls that back in 2020 you would expect it to go a long way over the fence. In the ninth inning, yeah. you you get the Jose Abreu crack to center field yeah. in a different ballpark, in a different area of that ballpark. That's a home run, but it's the wrong stadium at the wrong time and definitely in the wrong location in that stadium. But how many how many times this year have we said that about Jose Abreu? All the I time. mean, you can say wrong wrong stadium at the wrong time <laughs> of night. We've been it's it seems like it's been the wrong year for Jose Abreu. You brought him up, you know, as the guy who led the team in home runs so many years in a row. It seems like he should have at least twice as many as he has now, if not three times as many as he has now. But why doesn't he? What's you know what I mean? It's, it's just right. he's hitting the ball to the track. He's hitting the ball to the wall, and and it and it looks like he's getting a hold of them. Is just not going as far as they used to. And I'm not sure. I mean, it's like the park hasn't really been a problem because he goes out to Comerica and hits one dead center that's like you know 420 feet yeah. deep. It's like eh, you know I don't I don't know where where Jose's at. And you mentioned too that sixth inning, uh, Robert. Hard hit, line out, 96 miles per hour. Uh, Vaughn hit a double that was 109 and a half, and then Abreu follows it up uh, with a 111 mile per hour double. So the the exit velocity is still there, and I just want to bring this data from StatCast because the White Sox average home run is still top 10. So when they hit home runs, they go far, um, and hard hits they're still top 10. Are, uh, hard hits are not top 10. So. Uh, no, they are. My bad. I sorted it the wrong way. They're still top 10. They're seventh uh, in major leagues uh, in, in hard hit. Uh, balls hit 95 miles per hour or more. But barrels are the most important thing because that's including hard hit and Ejectory. the launch angle. Yeah. The White Sox, 12th in major league. And that was a stat, especially early on in April and May, when they are you know having 17 hard hits versus Tristan McKenzie in that part of that nine-game losing game, uh, uh, game streak. They're still around with the Yankees in barrels per plate appearances. So they have fallen off since April and May in getting those barrels, those important stats to make sure that home runs are happening more and more often, or you're getting those solid, solid quality contacts that create home runs. The White Sox have just been getting worse quality contact, you know, since May. And I see somebody in the comments talking about, you know, they got the dead balls out there, but 
It's not affecting the Yankees. 30-plus home runs for out there for a Judge. 20 home runs now for Anthony Rizzo. And I know short porch and right, conducive to home runs out there in Yankee Stadium. But he's hitting balls hard everywhere. And the White Sox have a ballpark where you can hit the ball out of the ballpark in right field too. So they have the opportunity to get the job done, but they have not this year. That's disappointing. And the injuries are a factor. Yoan Moncada not being Yoan Moncada is a huge factor. Same thing with Grandal. If we can get Grandal that came back last year in 2021 and just lit the ball and crushed it every time he got up to the plate, that would be awesome. I don't know when he's coming back. Hopefully he comes back 100% healthy and becomes that player that he was last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I just see uh, Jared's comment here saying, uh, Abreu's been great. How dare you? Uh, hey, uh, as the guy who hates Jose Abreu on this podcast, apparently, uh, he is in the 99th percentile in hard hits. Yeah. So he's he still, has been he, great. He's smoking he the ball. Yeah, it's we're not just, saying he's not great. He's not hitting home runs. Well, and that's the thing, too. I, I think this is why people then go to the hitting coach and Frank Minichino. And I know people will misuse the quote about Andrew Vaughn not hitting home runs in his rookie year in the first 20 games saying, you know, fuck it, let's hit 300. Fuck the home run, let's three, hit 300. And people probably taking that as, oh, that's probably what he's telling every hitter. But at, at this point, we've seen now, I think in the past three years, the White Sox, when it comes to long jangle, have been in the bottom five. So it's, it's just, maybe it's the type of makeup of their hitters, but I, I just wonder when you're 34 and 38 and you have back-to-back years when you make the postseason, Herb and I have talked about this, like when will A-head roll? Like is, is it time for that to happen or is that conversation pointless? Well, I'll say this about that quote and this in conversation about homers in general. Home runs are a result. Mm-hmm. Every player, every coach will tell you if you're trying to hit home runs, you're doing it wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And so – the White Sox not hitting home runs is not a uh, sign that they're doing something wrong from a home run perspective. It is a sign that they're doing something wrong overall. Or not even that they're doing something wrong, but that they are failing to do what they're, what is, what they're trying to do. You're, they're not hitting the ball un, in ways enough that are leading to home runs. Now, we can talk about Jose Abreu. That seems like it's bad luck because he's hitting the ball very hard. He's doing what he is supposed to be doing. A lot of the White Sox, particularly guys who are currently on the injured list, you know, we have harped on Moncada and Grandal all year long. They're not hitting home runs because they're not hitting, period. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the, uh, the, the poor stretches that Luis Robert has gone through and, and, and bring up the same points. And we can talk about the poor stretches that Aloy Jimenez, before he went, was hurt, was going through, and it can be the same thing. So, um there's nothing wrong with with not hitting home runs if you are getting a bunch of hits. But the White Sox have not done that on a very consistent basis this season. They haven't scored runs, which, is again, is a result of them not hitting very well. It's not that they're not doing the one thing that would lead them to win games. They're not doing anything, and that's the problem. Right, and right. even, too, I mean, right. even away from contact and stuff like that, they still have the worst walk rate in baseball. And something, right. too, J.J. mentions they've become contact hitters, and that's the big concern with me is Noah Syndergaard, he's lost you know, the true Thor velocity. He's not that same pitcher, but what he's been able to do is refine himself to more of a pitcher, hit more of those spots, make sure that those balls are in the correct spots to – make weak contact and that's how you get through three innings in 27 pitches that's how you have uh, uh, Brady Singer have a fantastic outing Daniel Lynch have a fantastic outing because if you can hit your locations versus this White Sox team 
you're going to have a good day. I mean, it, it maybe maybe you don't, but for the large part, that is what we've seen uh, consistently with the White Sox. Is as long as you're locating on the outside or on the inside, you're probably going to be able to hurt them with then sliders low and outside away uh, in the zone. So it, it is frustrating, and I think, too, like they've become contact hitters, but Thor just had seven strikeouts in this game as well. So I, I, they, they need to start walking more, uh, they, and they, they need to at least uh, try to put the ball in the air more. And I know that's it's more of a... It, like you said, hitting home runs is a result and not a process, but maybe the process of trying to hit more fly balls could come to fruition, but it just seems uh, like something we've been talking about for the past couple of years and it not actually coming to uh, true fruition for the White Sox. Want to remind you the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first time deposit, you receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t shirt from a CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. PointsBet's your home for live in play betting and it just got even better if you see an edge in the game you're watching if your favorite team is primed for a comeback don't just watch the game bet along with it live there's more live betting more live markets and faster live cash outs with points bet you can download the points bet app right now and use promo code chgo when you sign up so what are you waiting for it's time to elevate your live betting game once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER and our next product is Owen and guys been moving kind of talked a little bit about the the process uh, on the show and something I did today was stupid I didn't have breakfast this morning and I went real dumb. back down south <laughs> I, I had to move all these boxes I filled up my car I had my car seat pulled all the way up to the front had the passenger one all the way pulled up to the front full car full of boxes and I was like man I just put in a lot of work and you know what I put into my body because there's not a lot in my fridge I still had some Owen left around. It was only what I needed in that moment, and it was exactly what helped me through that move. It was cold. It was delicious. It was refreshing, and it's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. I put in a ton of work moving today, and Owen refilled me. Uh, it was fantastic, and I first heard about it from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields. I felt like I worked out like Justin Fields, so I made sure to treat my body like Justin Fields does. He follows a plant-based diet. I did today for about one snack. Owen and CHGO have partnered to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E O-Y-W or O O L-I-V-E O W-Y-N.com, my bad, with code no, CHGO20, you get 20% off your first purchase. I told you, I had this issue Sean, last time. remind me never to never to recruit you to play Wheel of Fortune. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. That will be in your ass. Like, nope, sorry. <laughs> I will truly try to get a Y up there, and they'll be like, no, you have to buy the Vols. Uh, I, I really You am, have to buy the Y? The Y is sometimes a Y. You can buy Y isn't always a vowel. Yeah. I wonder if do they make that distinction on on the wheel on America's they're, game? They're kind of dickish always. about things. <laughs> on I watch it every day, and they're every like every day. We love Wheel of Fortune. You watch I, Wheel you of watch Fortune every, every day? day. I'm 43. I'm old. It's time you know you get. My you, grandparents watch it every day, and you, they're you, you seven. You eat supper. 
at six, <laughs> six thirty. You watch Wheel of Fortune, wow. and you have tapioca pudding. Yeah, wow. you eat dessert. And you watch Pat and Vanna, and then everybody gets a thirty nine thousand dollars at the end, and they always choose the third fucking category for the final wheel. Always. Sorry, Owen's pissed right now. They're like, "What the fuck is this wheel?" Well, talk? We were done. Bullshit. We already gave him the promo code. It's okay. CHGO twenty to get twenty. That was the end. The he order. he read the last line and he really couldn't fig- get through it. So yeah, I really yeah. couldn't discern between a W and a Y. And yeah. these guys are talking about breakfast being not good. I know Steven's a guy like that. He doesn't like breakfast either. I, don't I, eat I breakfast. love breakfast. No? I just eat it during like lunchtime. Right. Okay. I like breakfast, but I I never You're not waking breakfast. up and. Going out to a place and eating some delicious eggs. I find it difficult to eat in the first three hours that I'm awake. Hmm. I I usually just the thing that usually happens to me is like I'll do a bunch. I like doing a bunch of stuff early. I'm very productive early in the morning, so I'll wake up, do stuff, and then I'll look up and it's like ah, uh, I could have breakfast. It's ten. Why don't I just wait an hour and I'll have lunch? There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, lunch talk here on the <laughs> CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, you can only buy A E I O and U, by the way. So, why isn't. Why is free? Yeah, why is free? You, right. you just got to make sure you don't get bankrupt on the spin. All right, let's go to Lucas Giolito because we talked about him being better. Uh, and there is some data, some data in the pitch mix and the, uh, the, the pitch breakdown for Lucas Giolito tonight. So, let's look into the numbers. Lucas Giolito threw 41 fastballs tonight, 27 sliders, 22 changeups. Uh, the called strike plus whiff percentage uh, today was 32%. Again, MLB average is 27. So that's great to see from Lucas Giolito. But the main thing is how hard he was hit. I don't love seeing a hit per inning, six hits and in six innings for Giolito. But again, with what we've seen from him since May 31st, this is a lot better in uh, the starts from May 31st up to uh, June 26th, he allowed an average exit velocity of 92.5. Today was around 90.5. So that's a good difference right there. He was allowing less hard contact, which is great for Giolito. Whether Lucas is on or very much not on, he typically gives up. He'll give up home runs. Mm-hmm. Didn't give up any home runs today. I mean, he almost gave up one that was off of... Kevin Cheats' glove, yeah. but he didn't give up any home runs today. So almost uh, Canseco'd it. Yeah, he really did. But uh, so I mean, that's a that's a positive sign when you're talking about right about getting hard hit and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, listen, I think he just I, so often these guys don't care about the results; they care about the execution of the pitches and all of that. But but certainly those things go hand in hand sometimes. And I think for Lucas, especially with the skid that he's been on, to be able to point to a game where he did his job. I think that I think that's a, a big positive for him and something that's going to lift him up and, and, and drive him forward. And you said it earlier, Vinny. He, at points in this game, looked like old Lucas. The changeup was electric. We saw the 55% uh, that swings and misses on, for mm-hmm. Lucas on the changeup. That's good. Having that back in his arsenal today and looking like the changeup of old and having people swing wildly over that changeup is a good result for him to have. And we talked about it yesterday. Sometimes it's just confidence. Sometimes, you know, they don't hit the ball. The Angels don't, you know, see the ball as well as the team before with the Toronto Blue Jays. And you had, at the end of six innings, you only give up two runs. And you saw that two runs were probably the product of fielding that could have been better. But, you know, Gavin's not going to catch that ball probably 99 on 100 times. So he's got to feel good after this start. Yeah, the team lost, but he can go to sleep tonight and say, you know what? I'm on the track back to where I need to be. And he has history history with being 
poor for a certain amount of time last year. You don't have to look to that too far. The Boston start in the morning, then the sticky stuff, no more sticky stuff, garbage from Josh Harrison. Josh Donaldson. God damn it. He pitched well in this after that, and people were like, oh, he doesn't have his spin anymore. He had his spin was a little bit down, and if you guys need to go and check this out, Sox on 35th. Mm-hmm. Jordan Lazowski did a nice breakdown of what he did last year and what's really wrong with Lucas Giolito. He had a nice breakdown of that, so check that out. But he has been pitching well after some times where he struggles. He's a pitcher that I think, as Jose Abreu does, if he pitches poorly at one time, he understands what he did, goes back to the film and says, okay, what do I need to do to adjust to this? Do I need to take down my slider? Do I need to uh, increase my changeup? What do I need to do with the fastball and the, uh, the high changeup? Do I need to shelf that? And he gets it, it gets results after that. That's why I really don't worry about Lucas Giolito in the long run, even though this month has been very scary, especially because we're counting on him to be ace-like in his second-to-last year as a White Sox. Steven, I do have a last-minute graphic uh, request because I, I do think that some of the stuff that Herb is saying uh, it really fits into what I want to go with. You can stall as he's going to make this, though, because I know you have a point. I need to tap dance here for a uh, while. Dude, he, Steven well, puts I, it if you don't have a point, I can um, continue with no, my No, I was... <laughs> what I was going to point out is look at the last turn through the rotation. Um, and the problem this year for the White Sox has been what? When, when, when the pitching has been good, they can't yeah, hit. Sucks. When the hitting... Comes around no for, for a little bit. They can't pitch. We were talking about a stretch there where the starting pitching was not getting the job done. The starting oh, yeah. pitching was not going out and giving the team a chance to win because they would be going out there and scoring runs, and the starting pitching would be not allowing that to, to cruise to an easy victory. Last turn through the rotation, so the four games against Baltimore and then tonight, really only one game in which things really got out of hand for the starting pitcher. That was Lance Lynn, uh, and, and he took it up all the way to the end of that start before it got it got out of hand a bit for him. But uh, Johnny Cueto, it was his shortest outing in a White Sox uniform, still okay. Mm-hmm. Michael Kopech had some problems, you know, in individual runs, but didn't give up that many runs, and the White Sox should be able to outscore the Orioles. Right. Um, and then Dylan sees fantastic on Sunday before Lucas Giolito was really good in Anaheim on, on Monday night. So the starting pitching has done their job, and all of a sudden – the hitting fades away. Right, and two, I mean, you get a great start from Dylan Cease, and still, look at the score. It's 4-3 just like tonight. So it's just, you know, the, the hitting needs to do more, and you mentioned uh, the Orioles series. I think the most they scored in one of those games, the Orioles was six, and we talked about this. The White Sox heading up into this game were scoring about, you know, in the past, like, 10 or so, were scoring about seven runs per game. So, I mean, the offense just hasn't done their job, and that's the most frustrating part, and the lack of sync uh, has truly hurt them. But, Herb, you mentioned Jordan Lazowski's article on Sox on 35th about Lucas Giolito and some of stuff uh there is a lot that uh good that i'm taking away from this giolito start especially based off of what jordan put together um this is from james uh james vegan or at least he cites it from james vegan uh, down in houston after giolito start they said we're working on his fastball and you brought up film uh, we're working on his fastball some of the stuff we saw in film and its behavior was not the norm it was kind of dipping below his vertical movement and the cutting was not the same uh, straight pitch that he had we really want to dig into that and make sure the vertical was there uh, the vertical break for Giolito today was about average so that really hadn't changed but his horizontal uh, he gained about an inch on his horizontal uh, run on his fastball so maybe that helped but the big thing I think that he helped you talked about the changeup. 14 swings uh, on that changeup. 10 whiffs, that's a 71% whiff rate. That's insane from him. And let's look at where he put 
the changeup today. It was a lot better. Jordan kind of showed that an issue with Lucas's changeup was location. And you could see today, it's usually, or at least on the screen right now, it's below the belt for the most part. A lot of red below the belt, down in the zone, and that's where he's going to be getting his, his swings and misses on that changeup. Elevated fastball, low changeups. And I know he likes to fool around with high changeups and try to get guys, but for the most part, that doesn't work for MOP pitchers. Um, so I, I don't know if it's always going to work for Lucas, but uh, definitely a lot of good signs, especially based off of the, the stuff that we've seen going wrong with him. And in the Mike Trout at bat, I think in the fifth inning, it's really smart to do that versus him because he's a notorious low ball hitter looking dead red and he's got the account in his favor. Lucas throws an outside changeup, swings right over that, and then he throws an inside change of 81 miles per hour and gets Mike to look stupid. So, yes, he is learning from his mistakes, learning from how he failed in the past and saying, okay, I don't need to be that. I don't need to continue on that. And it was, I think it was probably cathartic to, for him to speak to the media after. I like a, a pitcher that is self-aware. I don't need him to beat himself up too much, but it seemed like he was down, but I know that he was like, okay, I'm down now. This was right now. And then the four days of me preparing for the next start, I'll be ready for the next start versus the Angels. So I was, I, it was very sad for him because I know White Sox fans, and you can see in the comments, this guy's not an ace. Trade him. Give the money to Kopech. He sucks. Hey, man. Lucas Giolito has done a lot for this organization. That's why I won't give him too hard of a ride when he does struggle. And this is a positive thing. White Sox fans, if you take anything positive out of this, is that Lucas Giolito might be on his way back to being the ace. And yes, the ace of this fucking staff. I don't, hate you guys out here talking about my man like that. <laughs> don't don't discount that he has done this before. He, is, he has had tr tr problems and he's fixed them. And also, don't discount the guy who's the pitching coach right now, Ethan Katz. Ethan Katz is who helped Lucas Giolito go from the worst pitcher Pitch in baseball, baseball. <laughs> to an all-star. And uh, he is now right there, right next to Lucas every day when he needs him. Well, and I thought this was an interesting word that Jordan Lazowski used in his article about Gio. He said, accountable. Is that a good word to describe Lucas? Because that is something that we've seen, or at least I, I've seen, is that it's always about, oh, I, I need to fix you know this about his mechanics. It, it does feel like he's pretty forward for at least a baseball player. Well, I'll put it this way. Um, he's not shy about saying those things. I, I don't think any pitcher on this staff is. That's true. Um, I, I, I don't. I think I think Lucas got up there and was blunt about what his contributions were to this team at the moment when he talked after that start against Toronto, saying, I'm not doing my job. I've been god-awful. I've got to fix this. I don't think you hear too dissimilar things from other pitchers. You might just not hear it as bluntly as Lucas put it the other day because Lucas was very clearly bothered by the stretch of games that he was on. I think accountable is accurate. I think accountable is not as rare as people might think it is. That's fair. I mean, yeah. definitely Luke, uh, Lance Lynn is going to, you know. Lance Lynn will say the same thing. Dylan Cease will say the same thing. Kopech, uh, Michael Kopech will say the same after thing. After the Wrigley yeah. start, well, too. a former pitcher on the White Sox will not say the same thing. I'm sure after he pitched for the D-backs <laughs> the other day, he's like, hey, team needs to play better. Hey, I was out there doing, I was out there dealing. Seven <laughs> strikeouts in four and a third <laughs> innings. That will do it for uh, for a team right there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely with Giolito, uh, people talking about, you know, game one starters and, and, and all this stuff for postseason. We'll see at the end of the year 
who is truly the game one starter. Because you look back at last year's postseason, no one separated themselves from as a starter in, in that series. I know the Houston Astros are very, very good at baseball. I'll give them that credit. But, you know, even Lance Lynn, I mean, Lance Lynn earned it throughout that season. I, Lucas was probably the game one starter before that year, but Lance pitched his ass off. I'll say, I'll say two things. Number one, it's very much about who's hot in September, right? I mean, and, and who's hot on, you know, maybe even an even smaller window than that. Because here's the thing. If I would have asked you two days ago who the game one starter should be, would you have stood up and pounded your chest for Dylan Cease before he struck out 13 guys on Sunday? Maybe. I would have probably said Kopech before then. I would have said Johnny Cueto. Right. And, 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 (laughs) yeah, right. Johnny Cueto. You're not, I mean, again, it's like Davis Martin. It's like you're going to go with, you're going to go with the hottest arm right now. It's very, very possible. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if Lance Lynn is pitch is not the fifth best starting pitcher on the team come, uh, you know, August, September, or even late July. Um, And then I think the other thing you have to look at, too, is experience. I mean, it is very clear. These guys have been talking about it for two years now, the effect that that stage can have. And, and, And when I look at that White Sox rotation right now, who do I go ahead and pick from an experience standpoint? At least lately, obviously Johnny Cueto has won a World Series, but... I think you got to go with Lucas Giolito for that mm-hmm. start that he made in Oakland. Goddamn right. And uh, I mean, I think I would I would say Lucas was probably the best starting pitcher in that Houston series last year too. Obviously, that was a very low bar to clear, <laughs> but um, it it there's something to be said about getting up for those big games and being able to pitch in those big moments. He has shown it in the last couple of years in the postseason, at least in that Oakland game, and then compared to his teammates in that Houston uh, series last year. Well, it's funny, too, you mentioned uh, experience. Like Dylan Cease, the guy that I would say right now, two and two-thirds in his postseason career. That's not a lot of experience. Kopech just became a starter, so he definitely doesn't have any postseason experience as a starter. But he might be on absolute fire at the end of September and make it no question, right? I mean, yeah, Kopech doesn't have the experience. So, I mean, you got to weigh a lot of different things. That's the guy, too. I mean, like, I mean, Cease as well. I mean, Cease has this uh, white whale potential, but, I mean, really, I mean, Michael Kopech, if if that's – Fastball's playing. Uh, he might be the best pitcher on the staff, experience or no experience. The uh, they they call it a good problem to have, right? Yes. If you have these get many guys to choose from, right now the White Sox could uh, use some more wins to get in a playoff position before they start talking about who's going to start Game One of a playoff. And yeah. that's the thing that you <laughs> you you hold out hope for because they have these guys who can dominate a playoff series if they get into it. That's why I hold out hope that these guys start hitting for these ultimate great pitchers because if you get into a playoff series versus any of these teams, I'll give the White Sox a fair chance to win that series because of the starting pitching. But they got to score more than three runs a game. Please score some runs, guys. And and they got to play better defense, and they got to be better at base running. Uh, There's a lot to clean up with this White Sox Yeah, base running today was tough. Yeah, uh, our guy Dave Barista saying, how about a guy that can go seven innings? That would be a game changer. And if you want to start your game with a competitive edge, uh, Strava (laughs) CBD Coffee is a game changer. Bit of a walk there, Sean. Helped thousands of people. (laughs) Hey, I'm doing an ad read. Uh, Helped thousands of people. To improve their overall wellness and quality of life, Strava <laughs> delivers delicious, fresh roasted coffee, specialty coffee infused with mm. organic, broad-spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you feel alert 
and focus. Without the jitters, it can help you live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pain. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best. The best part, Strava, is all about quality. Everything is in small batch fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava also offers concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effects of benefits. CHGO listeners can save 25% off their order when they use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at Strava, S-T-R-A-V-A, craftcoffee.com when you use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchases only, one use per customer. And if you already love Strava, you could subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee Club. With Strava, you're in control. You could save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule. Uh, Herb, I don't need Strava tonight because we played one hell of a softball game and I saw Lawrence already jumping in in the, uh, the chat here wanting to talk about your catch. So if you want to explain it, take me through the POV, you know, and just a, a brief moment here. What was the moment uh, when Shane Reardon hit a liner at you in right field at Mozart Park tonight? And what was it like to absolutely make the play of the year in, in that media? I don't know if it was all that, but it was. Uh, it was a low liner. And I was like, I mean, I don't want this ball to go past me. So I'm just going to put my hands out there. I'm, I knew once I hit the ground, I'm going to be hurting for a, a certain amount of time because I got, like, a pinched nerve in my back and my neck. And so I was like, all right, this is going to be hurting. So I was like, it's 2 nothing early in the game. Might as well just uh, lay out. And so I just caught the ball and made sure the ump saw that I caught the ball. It was all right. Herb, you're underselling it. You had, the contortionist act that you pulled off there was incredible. To scoop your body underneath the ball and then somehow squeak your arm up to show the umpire you had the ball, it was, it was remarkable. That's it's like the best thing I can ever do, and uh, I'll never be able to do that again. And I'll never be able to replicate that, and probably tomorrow my left arm will be dead. <laughs> I haven't seen right field defense like that in the south side all season long. Hey, there you go. I was looking away for uh, a way to make and that joke. That's what I do. I just <laughs> play deep because I know I can't go back on balls. Hey. I can go. I can come forward on balls and let them drop right in front of me. But that one, I was like, it was an in between play, so I didn't want it to hit any of my body. And I was like, okay, let's make the catch anyways. You came in. And we got murdered. It was like 90 to 5. Oh, we don't need to talk about that. Murdered. Oh, we don't. Absolutely really. killed. We don't need to talk about it. Hey, speaking of absolutely killed, Minnesota beat Cleveland 11 to 1 uh, tonight. Minnesota 42 and 33 on the year. They've won three straight. Cleveland's lost five straight. Uh, they're now three games back. They're 36 and 33. Your Chicago White Sox are 34 and 38. They're six and a half games back Plenty of games. in the AL Central. Plenty of games with the Minnesota Twins. Plenty of games with the Guardians. Well, that's the thing. We, we, Plenty. We're at the easiest part of the schedule, right? I, I, I mentioned that, I think, probably a month ago at this point. And now you see the White Sox losing to the Orioles and Angels. And I bet fans are probably like, well, what happened to the easy part of the schedule here? They're going to have another losing month. That This loss today clinched them having another losing month. So it's very sad that they didn't take advantage of teams like the Orioles. And I know they looked good and they were better than I even thought they would be. What's the goddamn Orioles? Well, the pitching is still They're underwhelming. Trash. I mean, like we said, the, the like, hitting well, was the issue against the Orioles, and, and look at all the starters they roll out. I the, mean, there's nothing impressive. The Orioles can be fine. The Orioles can be good. The White Sox had the expectations of being a World Series right. contender. You should be a lot better than the Orioles. Yeah, and, <laughs> and as somebody pointed I think Jesus Shuttlesworth pointed out the other day, they're pitching, they're playing without John Means, their ace, the guy who pitched a no-hitter, I believe, last year in Seattle. So they're... 
underwhelming with their starting pitchers. Jordan Lyles is not good, and you saw him yesterday, and the White Sox just scored many more runs, and it's a theme. They've getting hanging change-ups, fastballs, curveballs, sliders, and they're not doing the job that a Major League Baseball hitter should do against those pitchers, and they're just missing everything. You talked about Andrew Vaughn today, a slider elevated, wasn't good, didn't have a lot of movement. It's what they call a cement mixer. Andrew Vaughn swung and missed through it. Usually, Andrew would murder that pitch, and later on in the game, he crushed the pitch from 109 miles off the bat, but that is the theme for this White Sox team as of late, where they're just not crushing pitches that they should be. Yeah, and too, I mean, we talked about the lack of power on this team. Uh, MJ ended up saying, uh, now we are the easy part of people's Hmm. schedule. I don't know if I really buy into that because still, I mean, you have Johnny Cueto on the bump. Uh, It's still TBD uh, for for the Angels. But then uh, on on Wednesday, you're going to end up having Michael Kopech versus Shohei Otani. I mean, that's going to be a a great matchup, but that's the best pitcher that they're throwing out in game three. You've but, had the better pitcher in game one and game two. Like the White Sox should be taking more advantage of these opportunities, and they're just simply not. But don't you think you said earlier that the White Sox have only had a certain amount of home runs in 70-plus games? The other team's got to know that, and so they pinpoint their pitches. Like, if I put this pitch right here, right. they will not hit it out of the ballpark. If I do this versus the Yankees, it might get tattooed. So I know that the White Sox, for the most part, even if I make a mistake out here, they're not going to be out here murdering the balls over the fence as they would be in 2020 and 2021. This year's team, they're not not ready for my uh, pitchers, even though if I elevate them up and I have a changeup that is dead red, they'll just pop that ball up. The White Sox have proven that they can hit one thing, and it's left-handed pitching. Uh, I mean, that, that has been a consistent Martin thing Perez. since, you know, 2020. Uh, they killed Martin Perez. They Martin, killed sorry, uh, t- Tyler Anderson. Uh, they have been consistently just nailing uh, left-handed pitching. But right-handed pitching, if you can locate, you're going to do well. I mean, they, we saw them knock around Justin Verlander, but for the most part, I mean, below-average pitching can beat them, and that's – I guess my concern right now, especially when you're going to end up seeing Minnesota, Minnesota's got a plus 42 run differential, uh, and they've got you know 297 runs allowed. Uh, we've talked about their pitching not being great, but it was good enough to win that series against the White Sox early on in April, and it's been good enough to get them at 42 wins. I think that at this point when I'm examining the Minnesota Twins, I think I might think that they're better than the White Sox right now, and obviously the record would say that, but... At this point, I'm really kind of turning the tide on uh, the White Sox. You know, once they get to the part where they play 19 games against the AL Central, we'll truly see where the White Sox are. I think that's still true, but the more and more we see losses, the more and more that confidence wanes. I don't think you need to see anything more to know where the White Sox truly are. It's where can the White Sox, how where can the White Sox get to? I mean, they have dug themselves a hole here. And are they going to spend the next three months digging themselves out of it? Or are they just going to sit in it? Because so far, they've just sat in it. They have not been able to, anytime anything goes good, they have not been able to turn it into enough momentum to take off to get themselves out of the hole that they dug themselves into the, the first, what is now, three months of the season. Right. Um, you're absolutely right. There's no reason to believe that anything they should be any different against the Minnesota Twins. They need to show us. They need to show everybody that they can be different. Because otherwise, you just described two teams that have basically an inverse run differential. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the White Sox run differential is what, negative 52? 
as mm-hmm. of as I mean, of right now. And a plus forty two for the twins. So I mean, not exactly, but almost a hundred runs right. separate they those have, two teams. They have <laughs> not played well, and there has not been a, a moment yet where we're when where we have gone. There it is. That's it. They're turning it around finally. Everything is clicking. You know, bing bang boom. Maybe they get. Yoan Moncada back on Tuesday. Maybe they get Aloy Jimenez back, uh, you know, at, at the start of the next homestand. Let's say that hasn't mm-hmm. been the, the – the that's not news. I'm just speculating. He could. Yeah. Right. Um, and maybe that is, the, that is the, the, the spark that lights everything for him. But so far, everything that's happened to this point, and we are three months into this season – they, I mean, there was a comment. What are they going to do over the last ninety games? The answer is whether it ends up being true or not. They'll probably go forty-five and forty-five because that's what they've showed <laughs> oh, us so no. far. Is that that is the team they are? Oof, that's a- they need to they need to prove otherwise, or else this is where they're going to sit for the rest of the year. Well, it needs to roll if that happens. God. Yeah. But it, and, and when you're saying that, I hear it. And I'm like, God, they will they? But yeah. If they go 45 and 45, it might be a victory there because they're under 500 right now. But I look at this team as, would do either one of you guys think this team can put 10 wins in a row together? I mean, no. Well, wait, the answer is can they? Yeah. Yeah, but they'd have to play a lot differently than they've played oh, to this point. Yeah, right. Can this team? <laughs> no, because of what you mentioned earlier, right. about 20 minutes earlier, there's no sink. Like there, there hasn't there has been, not been that, to that this point. Right. to to right. win ten games straight, um, and maybe they could have a, a thing where it's like, oh, you get great pitching one day, great hitting. Like you haven't even seen that where it's like great pitching where it's it's a shutout, it's it's domination. Like uh, I think it was Dave mentioned, like seven innings from a starting pitcher has been really difficult to come by for the White Sox this year. That wasn't an issue last year at all. I mean, they led the league I think in seven plus inning uh, outings. They had, the, they had the best rotation in the American League, and right. and I mean that. Been just and they have not the pitchers. They have the pitchers this year to have the best rotation in the American League. Herb, you just talked about it earlier. Mm. They got to got to get some run support for these guys. They're missing. They're missing one guy, but you know, Carlos Rodon. Stop well, it. But my no. My point <laughs> being on, is that the, my be point being is that they have five guys that could produce yes. the best rotation in the American Damn League. Straight. I agree. With that. And Damn straight. they 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 can't they can't turn that. I mean, they have a lineup. That when healthy could produce the best lineup in the American League, excluding the Yankees who are out of this world right now. But my point being, they have the talent to do that. They haven't done it. Well, and it's been, they're not it's, doing it. You mentioned experience too with the pitching. I mean, even looking at the hitting. I mean, like that's part of the reason why the Yankees are this juggernaut right now. Because I know people wanted to fire Aaron Boone because it's the Yankees, it's New York, it's all about winning 27 titles. They'll never let you, I think it's 28 at this point. Oh, 27, you got it right. 27 titles, uh, you know, most in, in any American franchise sport, whatever. They've gone to the playoffs five straight years. And yes, they haven't won, but you have seen the growth of those players each and every year. And, you know, when you keep getting to that doorstep, you keep getting to that doorstep, you keep getting to the doorstep, you try to figure out, you know, how's the best way to unlock that door. It really feels like the Yankees have grown and progressed where talk it about, feels like the White Sox have kind of regressed. We'll in talk a way. about the Dodgers. Right. Dodgers have won World Series. They've been the best team in, or the best organization in yeah. baseball, you know, along with the Rays for the last decade. Yep. Mm-hmm. They've got one World Series. Yep. Like, it's hard to do. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, part of it is getting back and back and back and staying in it. And right now it's just the White Sox aren't in it right now. And that's that's the concerning part is, you know, can, can you make it three straight years going to the playoffs? I'm not really sure. You mentioned 90 games left. Uh, it's kind of shocking to think about this. 
if the White Sox go 60 and 30, they would still not hit the mark that I predicted them to get. I predicted them to get 95 wins. If they win 60 of their next 90 games, they will only get to 94 wins on the season. Is that kind of shocking to you after this team just won 93 last year? No, they put themselves in this hole. I mean, to hear it, yeah, it's kind of shocking, but they put themselves in this hole. These games in the early season count against you. And so, yes, you have to play catch-up now for the rest of the season. And 60 games out of the last 90 is a tall task. Can they do it? Yes. Do I think they'll do it? Hell no. (laughs) But the only saving grace I have, I do not think that Minnesota team is good. I think the White Sox will start playing better not ass-kickingly great, not the team that we expected, but they'll play better down the stretch in these last 90 games. I mean, that Angels team is nothing. I, I feel like the White Sox can win too, and even though Shohei Itani's pitching on Wednesday, I think the White Sox can win the next two games. And the San Francisco Giants series is going to be real tough. I only want them to come back, I mean, the minimum three wins. You win half of your games on the road, I'm fine with that. And now start playing better at home because that's the problem. The White Sox haven't hit at home, and they haven't won at home. That's not usual for a team, any team, but to not win at home. Here's my concern just hearing that. If if they go 3-3 three and three on this road trip, Maybe. they'll still be four games under 500, right? Fine with Is my math correct? I think. They're thir- 34 and 30, 38. So yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that means, well, I didn't know because there's a loss today, but I'm, I'm just bad at math. I'm not the math guy on this show. Um, if they go 500, I mean, even if they win four, if, if they win four more games in that 19-game stretch right there, uh, four more games than they lose, they're at 500 at the All-Star break. I mean, this is just shocking for so many White Sox fans. I don't think that they're able to process this. It's shocking for me. Um, and I see Dave Barista saying, you know, they still have the best – you know, pitching rotation. They still have the best talent in that that team, and all they need to make is a trade. And I, I just, you know, we're still coming back to this. Like, I don't know what this team needs, and I don't even know what this team can afford. We have seen our first trade this year. Uh, first baseman Carlos Santana is headed to the Mariners, and right-handed reliever Wyatt Mills and right-hander Will Fleming uh, will be going back to Kansas City. So the Royals in the division are being active. I always like Carlos Santana because he gets on base. He has been great guitar player too. Yes, fantastic. He's very smooth. Hell of um, a guitar player. Yeah, I, I just don't know if that addition's coming for the Sox, and that's why it's tough to look at this roster and the way that they've been playing for the first you know seventy-two games and be like, oh yeah, no, I still feel like the Twins. Well, but also, what, what one guy is going to solve all this? You know what I mean, like. Go ahead, trade for the the biggest name of the trade deadline. You still gotta get you still gotta get the other five or six guys in the lineup who are struggling to to get on their horse. Even if they get Josh Bell, that's right. not gonna save the White nope. Sox. Right. And I mean it's a good left handed power well, switch handed power bat, but yeah, that won't solve their issues until the other guys start doing what they usually do. They're just not good, huh? I mean, that's what Paul Correct said. I he mean, said, I'm tired of hearing excuses. They're not good. I mean, I don't I know mean, what we're excusing. Bill Parcells anymore, says you are what your record says you are. And yes, the White Sox are not good right now. But do you believe that they're going to be this forever, the rest of the year? I don't. If you do, Paul, that's on you. But I don't think this team is going to be this. Is that's why we're mad. We're not mad because this team is just mediocre and we expected them to be. That's what Cody does. Cody on CHO, <laughs> on CHO Cubs, he's like, I'm mad. The team is going to be bad. 
and the team I expect them to be bad. But I expect, expect them to win this like team 89 to be great. games this year. Like we have that time machine, and I'll only use the time machine to go back before the season. Not any other bad stuff. Not to kill Hitler. Not all that stuff. <laughs> That's I would bad only, stuff. Yeah. No, no. Uh, he's saying not to correct any bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would just go back and just say, "Hey, Paul, correct." Do you think this White Sox team is going to be good this year? And you would say, yeah, they're going to win the AL Central. And I'll say, okay, let's go back to the future when you say they're average. And they're better than this. We all know that. And, and this, I don't know if this is. And I love you, Paul. I try to make the connection. Like, last year we saw the moves made at the trade deadline for Cesar Hernandez, for Craig Kimbrell. They didn't work out. But in the moment, like you were saying, White Sox fans loved the move. They upgraded the bullpen. They got Craig Kimbrell, who had a .24 ERA, and they went out and got Cesar Hernandez, who was legitimately, at that point, a good second baseman. Had 18 homers for uh, for Cleveland. And it just didn't work out. And he's like, what's baseball? When he got to, like, he hit that homer for the Cubs, like, I'm done, guys. Thanks. I'm done. But, yeah, those are great moves by Rick Hahn, and people who get on Rick Hahn about those specific moves are wrong. It's process over results. Craig Kimbrell was the best reliever in baseball. At that time. And then he came to the Chicago White Sox and forgot how to pitch. So right now, for the 34 and 38 White Sox, what's, the, what's wrong with the process? I guess that's what I'm trying to... Well, the offseason wasn't great, but also the players are not performing. Right. Like, there was nothing wrong with the process of signing Gasmani Grandal. No. There's nothing wrong yeah. with the process of thinking Yoan Moncada was going to be better than this. Yeah. There was, you know, there was nothing wrong with the process of, uh, of 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 having a lineup that looked like it was stacked of having the, you know, four-fifths of the best rotation in the American League last year and bringing it back. There's nothing wrong with the process, though you might disagree of loading your bullpen up with high-leverage bullpen guys. And yet here they are at under 500. Yeah. I- I disagree with the process just on the bullpen. Because also, too, I mean, like, we, we predicted the bullpen usage. I mean, we could predict what Tony's going to roll out, you know, at this point. And I just feel like the White Sox, part of it is just developmental. I think that's where the process is wrong. Because we're asking what's wrong with Luis Robert. We're asking what's wrong uh, with, with, with the bullpen. I feel like if they're able to create a little bit more arms, I mean, they're so proud of their pitch lab. If they were able to create more arms and get more Davis Martin stories and possibly Jimmy Lambert stories um, and and stuff like that, then maybe I would have more confidence in this team and more confidence in that process. But I don't know if they're able to truly have that self-scouting and be like, all right, guys, this is how you get out of it. This is how we change these bad, this, uh, the the bad results that we're getting from this process and turning them into good results. I, I don't know if, the, the results are going to change right now because, again, I, I, I'm questioning the process. I, you also don't know if the results are going to change right now because you've seen three months of results. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. And, I mean, you can, you can have, you can have uh, either opinion, right? You can have all the confidence in the world that these guys are going to start being themselves, or you can be pessimistic and say, you know, there's no way they're digging themselves out of this hole. Until they do something that isn't what they've done for the last three months, you can't expect anything else than 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 what has happened for the last three months. Absolutely, we'll see if something changes tomorrow. Johnny Cueto's been great uh, this this season, so we'll see if he continues to be great against the Angels tomorrow. Not sure who the pitchers for the Angels will be, but we'll let you know at eight p.m. because we will have a live pregame. No pregame today on Monday, but we will have a pregame tomorrow, eight p.m. Vinny will be there, Herb will be there, I will be there. We got one more final thing: uh, an update on the All Star votes. I do want to give congratulations to Chicago. 
White Sox fans because they did get out and vote uh, after I berated them for not voting for Andrew Vaughn. He wasn't in the top 10 in the first update. He is in the top 10 now. Vaughn's in the top 10 for DH. He is 10th, so still progress needs to be made for Andrew Vaughn. Let's at least get him up to the top five. Uh, and then to go around the diamond as well, Grandal is 10th in American League uh, voting for catchers. Abreu is 7th for American League first baseman. There is no one in the top 10 for second base uh, all-star voting for the White Sox. No one in the top 10 for uh, third base for White Sox all-star voting. No one in the top 20 for uh, outfield voting as well. But Tim Anderson is the star of the White Sox, and everyone knows knows that Tim Anderson is the uh, in the best position and is in pole position uh, to get a all-star uh, a nod. He is currently second behind Xander Bogarts in all-star voting at shortstop. If we're kind of predicting, I mean, we are almost in July. Anderson will likely be an all-star. Correct. Dylan Cease. Correct. Anyone else you want to stand on the table for? I'm going to stand on the table for Michael Kopech. I know the record's not great. It's got a sub- Three ARA, ask the Yankees. Ask the Yankees if he's an All Star, and they will say, "Hell yes, that's an All Star." And Jose Breu, for the most part, is not going to make the All Star team, but because the results are not there. But he's on the ninety nine percent hard hit. He's been doing well as a first baseman, but there's so many good hard hitting, home run hitting first baseman, so he will not be making it. And Liam Hendricks, while didn't pitch well in the first beginning of the season, has pitched well, but he's hurt right now, so he probably won't make it. Those are the probably the three guys I'm going to go with, and Vaughn does not have a shot. I would hope he has a shot, but I don't think he does. Anyone else we'll, we missed? We'll see. No, there's no one else you missed, I don't think. I mean, Hendricks has been fantastic when he's been healthy, but obviously – Hasn't been healthy and there's uh, of late. No timetable for him, at least of right now, of when he might return. Right. I mean, I think he's shooting for early in July, which is obviously coming right up. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, he's been working out there, so uh, he's 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 doing his work to try to get back. Um, I think uh, I, I think Ta is a is a no doubter, and I think Ta is uh, gonna play. Uh, unlike yeah. <laughs> unlike last year when he was uh, saved. Well, and two, uh, you know, last year four All Stars for the White Sox, and now you know maybe two, maybe three, and it just kind of shows you uh, where they are. And that's kind of what we've been talking about for the past hour here. 34 and 38, it's disappointing, but it's also been what we've been seeing uh, for the past three months from this team. We will see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. pregame live show. Vinny will be here, Herb will be here, I will be here, and we'll have a live postgame show after the final out is made in that one. Hopefully the White Sox can get their 35th win. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter at Vinny Duber. You can follow Herb Lawrence on Twitter at EcknerWall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. And shout out to Stephen Nicholas for his great producing tonight. That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I guess today is already tomorrow. We'll talk to you later tonight uh and then we'll talk to you on wednesday but that's going to do it for the chgo white sox podcast thank you to fleetwood mac for their 1979 album tusk and go white sox